You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reclar. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Science of Superpowers. We're talking today all about Battle Royale, right? The conversation, I think, at the heart of what are we here for? What's life all about? And all of this good stuff is artificial intelligence versus creative intelligence. And I came about this conversation in a really fascinating way, um, in which I'll describe to you here in a minute. But first, I want to set the stage with when it comes to words, right? And how we understand words. And, and you've heard me say before that we operate on different planes of existence. And so this whole geolocating yourself in time and space, very, 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 very helpful technique to, to learn how to use because the material realm operates at one pace, right? The virtual realm operates at another one and the vibrational realm or quantum realm, subtle realm, nuanced realm, whatever we want to call it, operates at a different pace. Okay. So words kind of take on different meanings. And I have a great example of that. So let's go back a little bit to, um, let's say, oh, 2001. And uh, I had finished my master's thesis on um, how to become a white ally and finished that, got that degree. And 9-11 happened. And I enlisted in the military. And during that, I didn't know much about that culture. Um, it was more of a, let's just say, a field-guided mission, if you will, because I fell a little bit on autopilot and and mostly curious about where I was going. But I had very clear direction. I was pursuing um, the counterintelligence career path. Um, and I was pretty positive it was for reasons that I couldn't yet fathom, but I was kind of used to that at that point in my life. So anyway, that was the path. But I was not acculturated in military speak, military culture. I mean, truly, I, I was teaching critical race theory. So, so you can kind of see the juxtaposed worlds, right? And so um, I go into this space. And um, during the process, if you've never enlisted in the U.S. military, I don't know about other militaries, and I don't know where it's at right now. But at that time, um, they, in the process of, of enlisting, a, a grueling, grueling, grueling process, right? I can't, grueling. When I say grueling, like, anyway, I won't even go into detail. But this process that you go through. and then. Towards the end of it, I'm talking with this young cat and he's asking me just a series of questions. And I'm like, I can sign on this dotted line, right? I'm getting ready to do this. Five years, they're going to tell me what to do, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it, right? I'm going to get this program down, right? He asked me this question. Now, mind you, let's put, put you in my mindscape, right? A graduate degree, critical theory, right? I'm all about social deconstruction, right? Words, words are super specific to me, right? Very nuanced very finite details, right? And very clear. And he asked me this question and he says, are you a conscientious objector? And I said, yes. Now, mind you, I'm enlisting in the army, regardless of whatever your beliefs are. I'm a logical person enlisting in the army. And I'm clear that part of the army includes things like weapons and orders and that sometimes people die. And I was clear about that. That was a game I was very clear I was joining to play. Regardless of, of your beliefs on that or mine even at the time, that I was clear about. I'm very clear I was clear that 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 solid in my mind. So I answered yes. And he looked at me and he goes, you are? And I said, yes. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, I'm very clear that I am a conscientious objector. 
He goes, you're really sure. And I, and at that time, you know, I'd had enough training that I'm like, something's not flying. This is not the normal response he gets. And that seemed weird to me. Right. And, and I said, if I am going to object to something, I am going to object conscientiously. Therefore, I consider myself a conscientious or conscientious objector, right? He's like, that's not what that means. I was like, what do you mean that's not what that means? Look at those two words. I just put them together. That's exactly what they mean, right? All right. So if you don't know what that term means, it means somebody who, if with given certain orders, objects on, on moral grounds, right? That feels like perhaps they might have, I may be butchering the definition, so I, I apologize. But my understanding of it was that, you know, would feel like if given particular orders, they may have to disregard those orders because of moral, religious, philosophical beliefs. Okay, that's that's my umbrella definition. When he explained that to me, I looked at him, I'm like, why in the world would I be enlisting in the army if, if, if I already knew that about myself, right? That just doesn't make any sense to me. So we got through that little snafu. But it was a great little moment in my life of another example of where words just don't mean the same thing to everybody. And if you if you're not acculturated, in that particular subgroup, it's confusing, right? And and so so let's let's keep that in our minds as we fast forward to why we're having this conversation today on artificial intelligence and creative intelligence. So we're in the process of our feature on celebrating the men of co-creation. And oh my goodness, if you don't want your space wholly energized, don't invite co-creative male energy into them, right? These men are on fire. They're on fire for life, for discovery. For, for humanity, for what's possible right there. They're doing great things. And you fire up some of these conversations and, and you're jazz, right? And so one of the threads that keeps happening is this artificial intelligence one. And it sort of got started when Perry Marshall and I were talking and we were, we were doing our episode on quantifying quantum, which is kind of a funny joke because he's writing a paper on quantum physics and he's got a whole story about it. Um, but Perry also has this $10 million prize for somebody who I don't totally understand. So Perry, I apologize. that's his space and he he's he's in it. But I'm curious about it. And so I kind of went and looked it up a little bit. And to my understanding, there there's a fascination with AI and sort of how it connects into evolution. Cool. So that sort of stuck in my mind. I'm like, okay, this AI conversation seems to just be really fascinating to people. It's not super fascinating to me. So why is that, right? And then I'm talking to Amit Goswami, right? We've talked a few times and um, that's, oh, that's our third interview. So we were on, we we're getting a little feisty with each other because I mentioned artificial intelligence, or he mentioned artificial intelligence. And I sort of started, you know, poking at it a little bit. And in the awareness that this scares people, people have, there's fear in this conversation, right? And he's, he's aware that that can get kicked up. And so we sort of talked about, yeah, that, that's a, that's a term that we don't necessarily want to throw around flippantly. Well, I love throwing around terms flippantly. Um, and I have very good reason for them, which I can I can illustrate here in a minute. But that stuck in my mind, right? And then again, I'm talking with uh, Chad Lefebvre, another guest from from our from our series, and um, he mentions AI. So I'm like, all right, that's it, that's it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about this because I don't quite get where we're going with all of this. So I'm just going to explain kind of my perspective and share share my two cents into the mix. So. I start, first started to become very aware that people are a little bit concerned about this concept of AIs. And again, I'm not in that field. So, so I apologize. This is how I've interpreted what, I, what I've picked up. Um, that um, they're a little bit concerned about this concept called the, the, the solidarity. 
I think that's the word. And um, but essentially, you know, that that sort of stuck in my mind because let's just set that aside for a second. We're going to go over here for a moment. When we reintegrated into Arizona, which is where we live now, and um, it had been a little bit. And so we were wanting to make connections and stuff here. And so I remember going through like meetup groups and there was this cool group all about, and I think it's a solidarity, right? Is that the word where like, I don't know, everything comes into one, get, takes over something. And then, and I was reading the, the, the write-up about it. And in my world, in my way, I was like, oh, very cool. They're get, they're talking about oneness, right? Which to me is the understanding of ourselves as in and of everything and part of everything, which is, you know, has always been a big part of my walk. And so I was like, great, I'm happy to talk with people about that, right? That, that perfect for, I, I can get behind that. And so I go to this meeting and they start talking and they're using words that I'm very familiar with. I taught electronic warfare. And so like, you know, all of the conversations in those spaces make super sense to me. But they were using these terms in different ways than I was holding them in my space, right? And finally, it dawned on me. I'm like, what am I sensing here? I'm like, they are afraid of something. I'm, and I finally asked. I'm like, what, what, do you, what's, what is it that you think is going to happen here? And they explained to me the concept of creating something artificial that gains consciousness enough that it can take over, right? It can sort of supersede the consciousness of, of human beings. And I'm like, really? Like, this is something like I've seen movies and stuff, but this is something you're actually kind of concerned about. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, hmm. And I left feeling really perplexed. And I think they were a little bit perplexed because I really didn't know how to bridge those two worlds at, at that point in time. And I sat with them like, why am I not perplexed by this? Right. Or I'm sorry, why am I not afraid of this? Because it seems to be very prevalent. What is it about it? And so I do what I do. And I ask the question, is, is this a fear? You know, is this something that I'm afraid of? Because I believe in, in the concept of oneness that if it is a fear that is worthy of our attention, then it's in me. I, I It's there and I get to reconcile it. I believe that I, I hold that power. So I go looking, show me where I'm afraid of this. What is this? And there really wasn't anything there. So I was like, okay, why am I not afraid of this? Why does this not seem... It wasn't just that I wasn't afraid, like, oh, it could happen. And oh, well, la, la, la. It's like, it's not even possible. I'm like, okay, well, people seem to think that it could be. Why are we so sure <laughs> it's not even possible, right? And that's when I started to, to kind of put the threads together. And part of it is that I believe it makes a lot more sense. And this is where Amit and I sort of got into it. I believe it makes a lot more sense if we alter the question of can we create artificial intelligence that, you know, blah, 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 whatever the fear is, right? To can artificial intelligence create artificial intelligence that blah, 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 blah. Because on some level, we have to first look at the word we. And who's we? Can we create this? Well, who is we? And, and in and in exploring that word, we're going to have to get real clear with ourselves, because depending on which aspect we're coming from, has bears heavy weight on what we mean by the word we. So let's set that down right here. When we look at how we identify, um, the way we 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 help people understand this is 
most of us see us as, as two aspects, right? The, 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 the body and the spirit or however we want to define that. Now we start like body, mind, body, soul, like, like recognizing there's actually more going on there. We talk about it all the time, but we don't totally understand the energetic dynamics of it, but we're getting there, right? We break it down a little bit differently because we work with creative concepts. We believe that is the solution moving forward. Creative intelligence is the field of potentiality. We're able to meet in that in pretty innocuous and benign ways. Those aren't charged kind of senses yet. And so um, it's a good one to follow for those of you in, in shared spaces. Creativity, you can't go wrong with following the creativity thread. It inevitably leads us to the relationship with the creator, the creation. So keep in the creative space. That's a side note. Okay, so what we work with there is we work with the concept of the creature self, right, which we call the self. Self-awareness is just awareness of the self. The self, it's not that big of a deal, folks. It's really not. It's kind of like, what does our body look like, right? Like, like how does it, how do we identify all those social identities, all the image stuff, um, all of the stuff that we're kind of up in arms about? It's really just the surface. Wait till you get to the stuff underneath, folks. Like, there's more. Wait, you know? Oh, wait, wait there's more, right? not Yoda. So in that space, the creature self is the self moving forward, right? It's just step one's foot after the other, one foot after the other, one foot after the other. It doesn't really have a lot of forward visioning outside of what it believes in and of itself to do, right? It's, that it's able to do that. We don't have to be too much in that, but that's sort of that, that self space. We also have this creator aspect that knows ourselves to be able to um, inform things from a higher space. We don't totally understand it necessarily. And we definitely don't agree on, on what it is, but we do have this sense of this ability, right? Where two or more of you gather, there also will I be some spirit, some essence, some energy, love, God, creator, whatever the words are, light, connectivity, right? Um, subtle energy, right? Dark, dark matter, like uh, whatever, all the names we want to call it, you know, dust, right? Like, like we can call it whatever we want to call it. Okay. We have all the words for it. Um, but it's the fact that we can harness the field and this field of potentiality, the creative intelligence, if you will, that starts to remind us that, that we actually have that creative element within us, which means on some level we are of creation of the creator. So it's undeniable. Now we have conflict right inside of us. We have this contradiction. And we go back and forth ding, 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 until the point in time when we go through what we consider kind of the trinitization process of realizing ourselves as a created being, now we can start the path of knowing ourselves as all three. We become one, right? Now we're on to the different phase. So let's set that there. Why is this important when it comes to words? Well, a good place that we can look right now, and this may be a stretch for some people, but let's follow the thread before we discard it. And say, if we look at, let's say, even the story of like the, the Christ story, and if you look at how it moved through the progression of um recognizing the self as the self versus recognizing the self as the I am, the language meant different things. So guidance given prior to that moment and guidance given after that moment were very specific and they had different frequencies. When we forget that, we misuse it, right? And we misapply them. But that's pretty common in the back and forth and back and forth until we can see that whole picture. That's just one example of where we can see sort of the, the movement from the, the creature, the self, knowing of the self, knowing is the self is being created into the creative format, into that oneness, right? It's an example. If it doesn't work for you, there are many, many, many others. You have your own story that you can follow. And if we're honest with ourselves, we go, we, we have that, that challenge 
And it really lies at the heart of this very concern and fear, if you will, that's driving this conversation. So what do I mean by if artificial intelligence can create artificial intelligence that can do something? It's helpful if we look at the creature self, um, the avatar, right, that, that that we refer to. The avatar It's very helpful if we look at that as programmable and on some level as this kind of element of artificiality because we are programming it and it is being programmed. We know this. We know that we take on programs from each other. We know we're passing information back and forth. It's being carried through the field. It's like the biggest sort of um, blockchain voting is better than blockchain, right? Because it's actually secure. But it's like this whole um, potentiality of, of um, and, it, and it runs off of um, possibilities, right? It, it runs off of probability based on how we're investing into it. That's that's the entirety of, of information. What gets formed is sort of like this, all of these tremendous algorithms are running, you know, that's, you know, the internet's training us. I mean, we, we're starting to understand better because of the virtual scape. So, so that's good. Um, but but it, it, it operates off of, um, you know, popular vote. And so that's why if you can get people to fuel a concept through the field, it, there's no good, bad, or otherwise it gets fueled through the field using the same mechanics as, you know, good lit up, like positive, if you will, run, run in the same kind of mechanics. And as you sit with this, right, because the, this is the unraveling, right? You got to experience this. You got to work with it. You got to discover these things for themselves because these are spaces and ways of being that we we are we've known about but we're starting to embody and integrate and and create with and bring actual like materialize actualized things to the surface based on these principles right and and those working with these principles know that this question is kind of crazy on some level like like it's we're kind of past it and what i mean by that is that once you know yourself as all of that, and you can kind of start to play with, am I walking through this as the creature self? Am I watch, walking through this as the creator self? Because you you know the difference. And you get to choose which game you want to play there. Once you realize that, you start to learn the principles that operate the field. And if you deny the principles or pretend they're not happening or try to go against them, you fall, like fall out, you know, but, but you can't use it. Like the... There are checks and balances. It's very subtle and it's responsive. So you have to become subtle and responsive. If you move too quickly, you're back in the material, right? It's just too dense. You can't, you just can't operate in the same way. So you have to let yourself be trained. In letting yourself be trained, you learn these principles. If you want to keep playing the game, you got to abide by the principles. So in that space, the idea that the creator self would even think about creating something that could take over is it, it doesn't even equate like it does not compute because that world, the vibrational world and the material world only connect through us. Right? Through um in consciousness, if you will. That's where the intentionality component comes into it. And as you start working with the field, you're holding those principles. It's sort of part of the package. Like you you just can't play there and not abide by it, right? So let's set that back over here, 
right? Creature self versus creator self. And let's go back to this question of who's we in this conversation. If we, if we can sort of kind of wrap our minds around this thing, mess over here, right? However that got illustrated. And remember, this is how I resolve this for myself in my world that works for me. Take from it what works for you. If you don't want to be afraid of this conversation, here's how I am not afraid of it. If it works for you, use it. If it doesn't, then don't. You got, it has to work for you because just because Tonya says, oh, well, who the hell is Tonya, right? It's, it, at some point, it won't. you can't have it be somebody else's. It has to work for you. If the whole thing doesn't work, take the pieces that do. If none of it does, throw it out and go find another one or continue with a, whatever you're doing, right? This is These are how these dynamics work. So let's go back to the we conversation, right? Can we create artificial intelligence that would do X, Y, and Z. Well, we, as the creator elements that we are, that are capable of creating, that's the very essence that allows us to create things into form, right? That last, oh, pause. We have to, we have to address one more issue. I forgot about this. This one's a good one. So we also have to understand how programs work with their, um, with like their countermeasures. Anything that doesn't have the creative element in it has a natural self-destruct mechanism to it. And this is how we know this. Let's look at ourselves, right? Um, in order to pass on from, from material reality, you have to be able to know yourself beyond the material, beyond the physical. If we only know ourselves, because this is a conceptualized reality, if we only know ourselves as a physical form, when the physical form dies, we know ourselves to be dead. It's not punishment. It's it's just that simple. Those are how the dynamics work. If we can conceive of ourselves as beyond the physical body, an aspect of us can conceive of ourselves as continuing after the physical body is gone, right? Pretty simple energetic dynamics when we can understand the subtleties. If we're able to harness that creative element, which is essentially the same thing as knowing yourself beyond the physical, it's saying, there's something else that I am. I don't know what it is, right? But there's something else that I am because I, I can talk about my body. I can be aware of my body. So what am I if I'm aware of my body, right? It must not be my mind because I'm aware of my thoughts. We can think about our thoughts. I can't be my emotions because I'm aware of my emotions. As soon as you become aware of something, you're not it. And this keeps going and going and going, folks. If you're uncomfortable with change, you get okay being uncomfortable because your identity shifts very rapidly on these evolutionary journeys. And you got to be okay letting go with what you thought you were because it's going to shift. And that means your whole world changes because your world is shaped by what you thought you were. Right? Everything that you're seeing is based on what you used to believe. Remember that. There's a, there's a, there's that gap. It speeds up, right? As, as, as an aside, of course. And so, so if it, if what we create, if what we consider, if what we conceptualize, right? Cause creating is first about imagining, right? We have to be able to, to imagine it, to, to visualize it, to conceptualize it. If that doesn't, isn't connected to the field, if it doesn't have the creative element within it, it has a natural self-destruct to it because if it doesn't have the creative element within it, it, it is of the material or we we kind of loop the virtual and we kind of break the matrix up to material and virtual because they do operate a little bit differently. But without 
material elements imbued with the creative element or virtual elements imbued with a creative element, there's sort of this natural self-destruct mechanism to them. Because what happens, it's the self-protect, self-destruct mechanism. They're countermeasures to each other. This is best illustrated, we're going to love this one, in the program of privilege. Privilege. Because privilege seeks to protect itself, it has to, because privilege has to, can only exist in contrast to not privilege. There's there's no way to be privileged if something else is not. And, And on the surface, the program appears to be imbalanced that the benefit always goes to who we would consider to be privileged. But when you understand dynamics, a program can't be imbalanced, so there must be a countermeasure. There's a very counter, powerful countermeasure to privilege, and it's a self-destruct mechanism. Because you can't have an imbalanced system, and anything that seeks to preserve itself is of the self, because that which is of creation never seeks to preserve itself, it, because it knows itself as everything. And if you're trying to protect the self, there's a natural self-destruct code that's written into those programs. Bing! That's why there's always a cost to privilege. We can talk about that later. Back to the whole conversation. Let's wrap this up. So the we, the we, who's the we that would create an artificial intelligence that we could fear? Who's the we that would conceive of an idea that we could create something that we that we're capable, that we're capable of countering consciousness has no concept of consciousness because it's impossible. Because when you tap into creative elements, you know without a doubt what's more powerful. And we hold that power. We do how we choose to harness it, our intentions with it say everything. And when you align your will with creative will, when you align with creative intelligence, this conversation disappears. It's not even there. And you get to just talk about creating with creative concepts, with other creative people, with creative solutions in a world that recognizes we are all the same. And the field moves through all of us. How are you voting into it? What are you creating onto it? And so that's why I think if we swap the conversation to say, can an artificial intelligence create an artificial intelligence that could somehow take us over, we see how ludicrous the question is. Because the only aspect of us us that would consider to do it or would even attempt it isn't capable of it in the first place. And that's how I reconciled it within myself. That's why it's not a topic that fears me, that I, that I fear. I'm much more fascinated with those who are looking at the conversation from the angle of how are we going to connect technology and consciousness? Because we've got some folks that are rapidly progressing through consciousness. And some of the ways tech is being used is actually abrasive in the subtle frequencies. That's a very valuable conversation because you're going to want those folks on board. If we're techifying a society, we're going to want to make sure to pair it up with consciousness. We're going to want to make sure we bring those two camps together. And as far as I've seen, we ask a lot of questions in a lot of spaces and there aren't a lot of people talking. 
I suggest collaboration. I suggest co-creation, right? But that's our outlook. That's how we see things. That's, that's the world that we choose to intentionally create into. And I understand the conversations and I think that they are important. And this is the side note. I think those conversations are going to continue. I think they're going to need to continue. And I think they're doing a lot more than what we think they're doing. We need those conversations because anywhere that we can deconstruct and learn to critically dissect and look out future generations, we're going to apply those transferable skills to other things. And that's super important. As a culture that's mainly based in individualistic concepts, those are really important collectivistic concepts for us to start to grasp and work together with. Um, So I do think that the path is on purpose and is very important. I just think it's doing something other than what we think it's doing, which is always the plot twist when it comes to quests, right? And that's what happens when you turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime by saying, hey, what if this isn't what we think it is? What if we want to reimagine it differently? And perhaps this is Tonya's just fantasy world and how she explains it to herself. It allows me the space to create, to create without fear. And um, and it opens up the field of potentiality so I can be taught in other ways, um, which I find very valuable, very fulfilling, incredibly enriching, and fun to share with others. Um, and so that's the path I choose. Thank you for joining me. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll vote, right? So my vote clearly is for creative intelligence in this one. Um, though I do love playing in the artificial intelligence arena. Don't get me wrong. Love the virtual. Lots of fun. Just not who I am. So thank you all for joining us. And until next time, remember who you are. We love you. Love each other. Goodbye for now. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.